Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Emmanuel Lacho, and we have huge, and I mean huge, news in the NFL. For only the third time in the league's history, a first-round pick has been forfeited. Now remember, the previous two times, Spygate, New England Patriots, Deflategate, New England Patriots, but now the third time, the Miami Dolphins are forfeiting a first-round pick. The question is why? What did they do to cause them to lose a first-round pick, a historic loss? Well, they tampered. With Sean Payton, former coach for the New Orleans Saints, and once again, Tom Brady, former quarterback for the New England Patriots. They were having conversations with those two gentlemen while they were under contract with other teams. So what does this mean? Well, first and foremost, it means vindication for one man. One man, Brian Flores. Remember, February 1st, Brian Flores filed a suit against all 32 teams, including the Miami Dolphins, in which he alleged owner Stephen Ross said, look, I will give you $100,000 for every game you lose. Not only that, I want you to lose games to increase our draft position. Now, the forfeit of the first round pick was not actually because they were found guilty of anything with Brian Flores, but what the suit does in fact claim based on the investigations, owner Stephen Ross did say, I prioritize 2020 draft picks more than 2019 wins and losses. If that does not imply you should forfeit games, I do not know what does. I'm reminded of my college coaches who would say, now look, Acho, it's academics first and it's football second. See, sometimes it's not what somebody says, it's how somebody makes you feel. And how I feel about the punishment for the Miami Dolphins is vindication for this man and fairness for the National Football League. I told you how I feel, but I gotta head to the desk, join my brilliant cast of characters, the one and only Joy Taylor, co-host of The Herd, and Slick Rick, who's really just all things brilliant. No longer NBA insider, Slick. You're just all things brilliant mind. Um, I said how I feel about the punishment, but Joy, let me go to you first. What do you make of the Dolphins' punishment? Oh, the Miami Dolphins. Only the Miami Dolphins could cheat this bad and still not land a guy. (laughs) Right? How you do that? You even mess up the cheating? Ridiculous. Uh, I'm not surprised. Honestly, I can't even pretend that I was particularly moved by any of this because... I've been watching and covering the Miami Dolphins for most of my life, and I just don't, I can't get surprised anymore. I can't, once you're jaded for so long, it's like you just start to expect these things. I did think that when this story first came out, I was like, hmm, that feels like a Miami type of thing to Mm -hmm. happen. But it doesn't really feel like you're supposed to be doing that. (laughs) I mean, these guys were playing and coaching in the league. Are we doing the tampering thing? Because we always hear about tampering in the NBA, obviously. Sure, but sure. It's, it's not such a big thing in the NFL. Uh, it doesn't feel like a severe enough punishment. We've had a lot of conversations about what severe enough punishments are this week. Six games, uh, which is, of course, the same amount of time that Deshaun Watson got in his punishment. Obviously, the loss of draft picks is significant. Losing a first-round draft pick is significant. Uh, Stephen Ross fined $1.5 million. Obviously, that is not a whole lot of money to a man worth almost $8.6 billion. $8.6 billion, almost almost $9 billion. Uh, That's not a lot of money, but uh, trees don't go to the sky. I don't think that you can just start levying out outlandish fines. Where do you set the standard for you know, that amount of money, 1.5 is still 1.5. But at the end of the day, and Nick Wright said this earlier on The Herd, when when you're talking about punishments, what message does it send to the rest of the league? Mm -hmm. When you're talking about Tom Brady and Sean Payton, 
the tampering with those two individuals of that kind of status. And the punishment is $1.5 million, six games away from the team, which for an owner who's owned the team for quite some time, not a significant amount of time. He doesn't make the daily decisions. He's not a Jerry Jones whose you know, hands are in everything. So it's not really a significant amount of time away from the team. I do think the committee thing is significant that he's been removed from all the committees and Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, being removed from all the committees. But what message does it send to the rest of the league? Mm -hmm. Is this really punitive Mm -hmm. considering the scope of the tampering that has been confirmed by the league and with the particular individuals that we're talking about? You know, people are always trying to push it just just a little bit over the. This is like this over the line. If that's the consequence, you know how to set the tone with young people or with people that are you know need to have guidelines. It doesn't really seem like that's going to send a message of you better not do this. Here's what's fascinating, Joy and, and Slick. I can't wait to get your thoughts. I'm thinking if you lose a first round pick. That is a fairly massive deal when you think about the MVPs as of late, not named Tom Brady or former first-round picks, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. The Miami Dolphins quarterback was a first-round pick to Atunga Vailoa. Beyond that, football is played in chess. And the beauty of the game of chess, you play chess? Chess player? Of course I play chess. Chess player? Mm-hmm. Chess player. I went, chess, I went to chess class. Oh, God. Inner chess, nerd. I was a chess of nerd. Inner nerd. Chess com- of, of course she was. Um, the beauty of the game of chess is you're always calculating your future moves. The Dolphins, by sacrifice, sacrificing this pick, remember, the Dolphins have had a couple first-round picks in the upcoming drafts. When you lose one, now you can't necessarily leverage yourself the same way as you could have leveraged yourself prior. I actually think that a first-round pick is a pretty big, levy, slick, where do you stand based upon the actions at hand? It is big. The first round pick is big. There's no mistake about that. But I judge this based on, is the punishment enough to deter anybody else from even thinking about doing this? (laughs) And to your point, Joy, we're talking about not just a quarterback and not just a coach, but arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and a Super Bowl-winning, well-respected mm-hmm. head coach. So does the first-round pick and one point, the $1.5 million, as we've said, that ain't dismissive. Nice. And I would salary. even say the temporary removal from NFL business mm-hmm. is not that punitive. So where are we really? And does it... Would it ever cause anybody to go, okay, well, the one thing we can't do is that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even sure it does that as far as tampering is concerned. <laughs> but when it comes to the other part, and this is where I did not expect you to cause me pain Uh-oh. this early in the show. But right off the bat, you said Brian Flores has been vindicated. Yes, I agree. And I would say that he has not. <laughs> because while it has been acknowledged that what he said was true. There is no penalty here or there's no acknowledgement that they did anything wrong in terms of the tanking, the message that he got and the difficult position that he was put in to say, hey, you know what? Losing would be okay. And I understand Brian's position because look, I'm a head coach trying to prove that I can what? That I can win, that I am a head coach in the NFL. And he was put in this difficult position of we should lose. And I love when you guys start writing as I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to keep track of what you got wrong. That wasn't acknowledged okay. and that wasn't punished. Now, does tanking happen? Yes. Tampering happens in the enemy. T- 
ta- tanking happens. It's going to happen this season in particular. It's happening in Major League Baseball right now. Mm-hmm. It happens. So I understand the difficulty that the league has. But when you have certifiable proof and you acknowledge that proof, sure. how do you not then penalize it? He, here's my thought, though. Here's my thought. Um, y'all, there are three incredible, incredibly different lanes that we could go down that are all very, very fascinating. One of the lanes, Brian Flores, that wasn't necessarily a acknowledgement, so not vindicated there. I hear that. But the lane that intrigues me the most, Joy, is the punishment enough. Let's be real. Let's have a conversation that's sports but adjacent to sports. If you want to commit a crime, regardless of the level, you're going to commit the crime regardless of the punishment. Slick, when I drive through Beverly Hills just trying to go eat, not living there, when I drive through Beverly Hills just trying to go eat, I understand that if I park in certain spots, I'm going to get a ticket. Mm. But guess what, Joy? I don't care about no $75 ticket because trying to find parking Mm. and paying to park is still going to hit me for $33 and the time is money. I don't care about a $75 ticket. Getting towed, more so. But even getting towed, I'll call an Uber. So if you want to commit a crime, you're going to commit a crime. Run a red light, you get a ticket. If you want to commit a crime, you're going to commit a crime. Being deterred from a committing a crime isn't as much about a punishment as it is about just a inherent, I do not want to do this. Mm-hmm. Even if they would have fined them two first round picks, three first round picks, $50 million. I don't think that a future person who's mindful of committing a crime is going to be like, ugh. I don't want to get to find those two first round picks. If you're going to commit a crime, I think you will commit a crime regardless. No, you'll just be smarter about how you commit the crime. Fair. Fair. You'll be smarter. $50 million, five first round picks, that will deter people from doing what the Dolphins did. Now, I'm with you. Someone might still try and do it, but they aren't going to be quite as obvious into the scope and level that the Dolphins reached, which, according to the NFL, was was quite a lot. Also, mm-hmm. there, you should take the Uber before you get the ticket. <laughs> and get, well, like, well, I don't know when the last time you got your car towed, but it's not a pleasant experience. As, as far as the tanking goes, as a separate conversation, although I do agree with uh, Emmanuel, I thought Brian Flores, I mean, to me, essentially won his case. The, the, Roger Goodell acknowledged that when you are an owner, you can't just speak flippantly about losing games to the people who are responsible for winning games. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what Roger Goodell said. So when you're talking about the, the penalty and, and, and the suspensions here and the, and the amount of money and all of that, I, I do agree with you that if you want to do something, you will do it. Although I do think that there are extreme punishments that sure. will make people who are on the fence, I'm probably closer to a criminal than you, will consider before doing these things, <laughs> before doing these things. But I think that the message that the league sent is more about not, not you know, I'm projecting this, absorbing this as someone who's covered and watched the Dolphins and actively wants the Dolphins to be good and paying attention to how badly this was botched with all the tampering Mm -hmm. and the fact that Brian Flores lawsuit blew this up. Mm -hmm. So perhaps we maybe never even found out about this if this had all come together and Brian Flores had not sued. I think when you look at how all this has played out, it isn't enough. Hmm. Slick, talk to me about Brian Flores, because we've kind of to some degree exhausted the Miami Dolphins punishment of it all. I know where you stand, Joy. I know where you stand. But I'm fascinated by you saying Brian Flores wasn't vindicated. I personally look and say, well, look, we've seen the punishment. 
We have seen the acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Okay. Right. The acknowledgement of wrongdoing is owner Stephen Ross said, I care more about 2020 draft picks than the 2019 record. Mm -hmm. Brian Flores, you have been proven true. We haven't found the $100,000 that you claim, Brian Flores, but if the owner said that, it's not too far-fetched. Sure. Brian Flores currently coaching for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he has a job and we have acknowledgement of wrongdoing. How do you still feel as though he's not vindicated? Well, number one, he's not a head coach in the NFL. And I don't know that he's any closer to being a head coach in the NFL. And I can't help but the circumstances that he was put in by the Miami Dolphins led to him being where he is, which is basically being sent, you know, given a, a, a saving rope uh, from Bill Belichick in order to stay in the NFL. So there's that. But there's also, yes, Roger Goodell said, hey, Stephen Ross, you can't say things like that. But there's no punishment there. Like, wh what's going to prevent Stephen Ross or anybody else from doing exactly what they did again? Well, I think that's what Brian Flores' lawsuit intends to do. Okay. Now, the league hasn't. The league, for, in order for the league to punish Stephen Ross in this situation, there would have had to have been exact proof that Stephen Ross, not, not proof, but... There had to have been so sort of some receipts yes, that here's the $100,000 check and I want you to produce this loss. Where I think he's vindicated is, yes, people tank all the time, of course. But when you're talking about the integrity of the game, yes. you can't say do that and I will pay you to do that, whether you're joking or not. Okay, but, let's be, but let's be real. It's not, it's not the $100,000. It's the owner who employs you saying, this is what I want. And he is now no longer employed by the Miami. But Dolphins. when you tank, as we know teams do in every sport, yes. for multiple purposes, fans, advertisers, right. uh, current players, right. future players, right. Right. Uh, gambling, right. we know you're tanking. We can see that you're tanking. Understood. It is very obvious. But, but what, what happened with the Dolphins was, and, and what Brian Flores' issue is, you want me to present like we're trying but actually, I am manipulating the situation to lose. Without question. But if you found that that request was made, you have evidence that that was made, and you say, okay, you know, you can't, you can't do that. Are you, and, but there's no penalty. There's no punishment for having actually said it to your coach. Then are, are you upholding the integrity of the league? Fair. Just simply saying that you're not supposed to do this and it doesn't vindicate Brian Flores because it does not acknowledge the difficult position that he was put in by his owner when that request was being made. Brian, thank you very much for not following what your owner wanted you to do. And I'm sorry that you lost your job as a result of all that. That doesn't feel like vindication to mm. me. It simply feels like acknowledgement. You know what, Brian, you were right. Sorry that happened to you. Vindication for me is is justice. Like, yeah. you get something back. Yeah, I don't think that we have seen justice yet for Brian Flores. I do think we have seen accountability to some degree for the Miami Dolphins, but I am hopeful that eventually Brian Flores gets another head coaching job because that would be true vindication. For now, we'll see what the Dolphins do with their remaining draft picks when the time comes. Coming up, Chat called out Kevin Durant for requesting a trade out of Brooklyn. Uh-oh. Top 10 versus top 10 crime. We'll tell you if we agree with the criticism. But first, Dak Prescott's wide receiver options are slipping away. We saw a Cowboys injury over the last few days. We'll tell you how much trouble or if the Cowboys are in trouble. That's next. Speak for yourself. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's head to Dallas. We got to talk about America's team, the Cowboys, because Dak Prescott might just be in trouble. Remember, he's already without Amari Cooper. They lost him in the offseason to a trade. Cedric Wilson, he's gone as well. But now the team's second, maybe third wide receiver, depending on how you look at it, James Washington. He's out for six to ten weeks. Fractured his right foot at training camp. Michael Gallup, he's starting on the PUP list. So this begs the question, are the Cowboys in trouble? Now, to me, the Cowboys were in trouble before the James Washington in- injury. Let's make this very clear. If you have to ask yourself, are you in trouble, based upon a player who has a career 1,600 yards over four years, mm. if you have to ask yourself, are you in trouble based upon that player being injured, mm. then you were already in trouble before the injury. I started to assess things this offseason, Joy, and I realized, wait a second, receivers might be more valuable than we typically have thought they are. Not just a receiver, but receivers, plural. You think about the Super Bowl this past year, there were receivers that were beasts. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins for the Bengals. Then on the other side, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup. Both of those teams had two receivers. You think about uh, last year's Super Bowl, receivers. You had uh, Patrick Mahomes having Travis Kelsey, having Tyree Kill, receivers, plural. Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans. What I've learned over the last few years of football, even if you look at George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and this year's conference championship, teams need two receivers to make noise. Not a receiver. Mm receivers. Cowboys were already out receivers, plural, even before James Washington's injury. Were you truly dependent upon a former third-round pick, if I am not mistaken, who at his best has had 735 yards receiving, and that was in his sophomore year. Outside of that, 200 yards, 300 yards, 200 yards. Were you truly dependent upon him for the first few games of the season to lead you to the promised land, to lead you to dominance, to lead you to a hopeful 7-0 record like you started last year? I don't think so. I believe the Cowboys were in trouble before the injury. I definitely think they are in trouble. Now, Joy, where do you stand? Very rare. We completely agree, Emmanuel. This is one of those times. Good day, Slick. It's going to be a good day when Joy Taylor and I agree on something. My concern with the wide receiver situation in Dallas was not as severe as it is now. I agree with your point considering that James Washington is that significant to it, maybe we should have been more concerned going in. But obviously the conversation was centered around C.D. Lamb. Is he going to be a number one receiver? He was the number one receiver in Dallas last year. So what's the difference? He's already doing, he's going to do what he already did. (laughs) He had more targets. He had more yards than Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was just a bigger name, the veteran and being paid. So C.D. Lamb is not my question in this situation. And it is obviously very important to have a number one receiver. It is the rest of, of the unit Mm. that is terrifying in Dallas. They have no depth. When Cedric Wilson left for Miami, everyone was like, ah, Cedric Wilson. I'm making way too big a deal about it. No, depth matters at this position. Right. It's very important. You saw in the Super Bowl how important it was for the Rams. Odell goes down, what do they have? They have depth. Depth at a position that is so crucial to offense, which is where all of the rules benefits, where all of the money is going, is very important. What the Cowboys do in reaction to this, I don't know. To your point about Michael Gallup, he's, on, he's coming off of an ACL injury. 
he might not be available for the beginning of the no season. There's no guarantee that he'll be great when he comes back. Correct. Like, and, and, and it shouldn't be on him Correct. to be that great coming off of an ACL injury. When you have a player that you want to contribute significantly coming off of an injury like that, you want to ease them in. So he's not going to be in camp. He's not going to be going through all this offseason stuff mm. and, 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 and gearing up for the season. Even when he does come back, he is going to have a window where he needs to gear up. So you're looking at the rest of the depth chart. I mean, this, is, this is a lot of really young guys, a lot of undrafted free agents, which obviously can develop into something. Jerry has said that they're not going to go out and get a veteran guy. Right. Whatever happens, I'm not putting this on Dak Prescott, though. Mm. Oh. Dak isn't the one who decided to, to, oh. to put this. Just have to throw that in there I'm at just the saying end. it. I'm just saying it. He's no, not the, the GM. Get, I'll get back to He's that. He's not the GM. He doesn't put together the roster. What quarterback would you put in this situation and expect to carry them to a Super Bowl? Slick, I apologize because Slide I, can, that in I can't let such blasphemy be uttered and not address it. <laughs> right? it, it would be negligent of yeah. me mm-hmm. to try to conduct this conversation. Let Joy utter such blasphemous you know, rhetoric around the Cowboys and not address it. Um, <sighs> here is why I must put some of this on Dak Prescott. <clears throat> and then we will pick yeah, it. Is. The Cowboys traded Amari Cooper mm-hmm. because Amari Cooper was making $20 million. That seems like a lot, particularly when you're paying Dak Prescott 75, I can't even say it, George. $75 million in one season. So you have to get rid of Amari Cooper because you're paying him a lot of money, seemingly. Right. But you realize he was making the third most amount of money as a receiver when he was traded. Now, he's only making the 12th. Jerry Jones guessed wrong, but he had to guess in the first place, Joy, because of Dak Prescott. So... I don't think it is directly on Dak Prescott. Absolutely not. But you only had to get rid of Amari Cooper, your number two receiver, your three-time Pro Bowl receiver in his first four years. You only had to get rid of him mm. once you paid Dak Prescott. But, Slick, I do not want to deviate you from where yeah. you were going. Mike. Well, uh, and to add to that, and it's probably why uh, Jerry Jones is saying, I'm not going to go get another veteran receiver like an OBJ mm-hmm. because I've already spent my money. I mean, I, to me, that is a, a money-saving uh, position. I like who we've got. Let the young guys eat. We'll see where we go. But to answer the question, no, they're not in trouble because James Washington, to your point, wasn't a game changer. If you, if you believed that the Dallas Cowboys were capable of winning the division, which I don't know that you guys have, have diverted from that, they're capable of winning the division. They're still capable of winning the division. They come out of the gate and they have to play the Bengals. They have to play the Rams. They have to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have a very difficult schedule. James Washington's injury doesn't change the possibility of them losing coming out of the gate early. Mm -hmm. It still comes down to what are they going to be overall for the season. And that's not going to rely on James Washington. It was always about when Michael Gallup going to get back. Can C.D. Lamb take another step? Can Dak Prescott be the same quarterback without Amari Cooper? And can that defense be as opportunistic as it was last year? So to suggest that they are in trouble, because what? Because they lost James Washington? Like, no, I can't look at that and say they're in trouble because of that. Now, I'm not drinking the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, Kool-Aid. I believe you and I came to an agreement that we drank it. Thank you for a Kool-Aid drink. (laughs) Yeah. Extra sugar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But not the purple, the orange. I respect it. Uh, I'm a red guy myself. uh, I respect that. You and I agreed we drank the Kool-Aid a year ago when it came to the Cowboys. And we're not going to do that again. And we are not doing that this year. 
But can they win the division? Is anything uh, uh, changed because of the James Washington injury? But I, don't I, see I, how I think it is. I think that we're putting too much on James Washington now. It's not about him having to come in and be a volume receiver. It's about the depth, the depth. Michael Gallup, James Washington. CeeDee Lamb's the only healthy Cowboys receiver to ever catch a touchdown pass in the NFL. So it's not about James Washington having to be something other than what he is. If he just is what he is, they need that. That is what I'm saying here. It's not about him having to be more than that. Fair. Let me be, let me be blunt. Let me be blunt and tell the Cowboys and Cowboys fans something that I don't know if anybody else is going to tell them. The Cowboys are setting their stars up for failure. We're acting like this James Washington injury is going to be a huge detriment to the Cowboys. But James Washington had 200 yards, 735 yards, 392 yards, 285 yards in his four seasons in Pittsburgh. So why did we build him up that high? We're acting like Michael Gallup is supposed to be Calvin Johnson in his prime. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Michael Gallup has 1,000-yard yeah. season. Maybe two. I'm not looking at yeah. my notes directly. I believe yeah. he has 1,000-yard season. He was a third-round pick. I was covering the Dallas Cowboys when he was drafted. He is an overachieving third-round pick. Once again, he's not Randy Moss in his prime. I love me some CeeDee Lamb. I love me some CeeDee Lamb. I loved him in Oklahoma. But remember what happened to Juju Smith when he had to go from being a number two to a number one. Because you can be a number one statistically, but not be a true number one. Mm -hmm. Remember what happened to Calvin Ridley when he had to go from being a number two to a number one. Now, I fervently believe CeeDee Lamb is more talented than Juju. I believe that CeeDee Lamb is more talented than Calvin Ridley. But Juju Smith-Schuster had 1,600 yards, y'all. Yeah. you got to be talented to get 1,600 yards. So I think the Cowboys are setting up James Washington for Failure. I think they're setting up Michael Gallup for failure. I think they're setting up CeeDee Lamb for failure. And if you think that Dalton Schultz is going to come out here and be Travis Kelsey, mm -hmm. you're setting Dalton Schultz yeah. up for failure. So we have to remove the star from reality. The reality is James Washington is a solid receiver, yep. a third or fourth caliber receiver. Michael Gallup is a good receiver, a decent number two, but I love him as a number three. CeeDee Lamb has yet to prove, and he's a bona fide one. He a bona fide dude, but yet to prove he's a bona fide number one. And the last thing I'm going to say, Dalton Schultz ate last year, and he be eating. But it's much easier to eat as the number three receiving option than the number two receiving option. Joy, you know football as well as anyone, and you know this much. When you have two receivers out there, you can double two of them. But the third per receiver never gets doubled because there are two safeties. I take one safety to this person, the other safety to that person. One safety, Amari Cooper. Other safety, CeeDee Lamb. Dalton Schultz, one-on-one. -on -one. All you got to do is beat Acho. Acho got tight hips. You can beat Acho. <laughs> you can't beat getting a double team. So I think the Cowboys setting their people up for failure. But Slick, please tell me something. I, I just think that we're looking at this as the wide receiving core and the passing game of the Dallas Cowboys as being the be-all and the end-all of what they were going to be able to do, particularly early in the season. And that's just not the case. If you believe in the Dallas Cowboys, you believe that Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are going to be Oof. factors. You believe that that opportunistic, interception-heavy uh, defense is going to continue to function and be effective. You're you're expecting that Dak Prescott is going to be able to massage some sort of passing game out of what he has. You had to believe in all of that coming into the season. So to suggest they're in trouble now just doesn't fit. You are always counting on things 
other than the receiving core in order for them to be Fair. in competition and to be in the running for the division this year. So that's where I look at it and go, no, I can't say they're in trouble because of the latest news, because the way they were going to have to function has nothing to do with James Washington or the passing game at this point. Joy said she got drunk off of the Cowboys Kool-Aid, <laughs> so here's a sobering Cowboys thought. Dak Prescott's 1-3 in, in the playoffs thus far in his career, and he currently has the worst offense that he's ever had while playing for the Cowboys. So if you're 1-3 with better offenses, what is going to happen in the playoffs if you make it to the playoffs this year? Mm. Time will tell. Coming up! Chat. Oh, he didn't hold any punches back on Kevin Durant's trade request out of Brooklyn. Things got spicy when Shaquille O'Neal starts speaking. We'll tell you if we agree with this criticism. That's next. Speak for yourself. Okay, Shaq, what you got to say? Hey, we got to talk about a little Kevin Durant, because obviously, as we know by now, he wants out of Brooklyn, even though he's still got four years left on his contract. Brooklyn has been faithful to KD, but KD, not so much. The decision met with tons of criticism, including the one and only Big Diesel. Shaq did not hold back. Take a listen. When you put a house together, you should live in it. You know, you was the one who hired the, the architect. You was the one who got the other architects in Philadelphia. So you as a leadership make it work. But you don't want to make it work. I guess you go buy another house. So I know he's going to probably try to get to a, a contender. It's easier that way. Mm. He wants to try to get to a contender. It's easier that way. Shaq said, KD, you built the house. You should live in it. Slick, let me lay the table down for you. Okay. If you build a house, in my mind, it's ignorant and foolish and naive of you to think it's not going to be a process. Mm -hmm. I remember living in Austin, Texas. My friend had built a house there, literally speaking, not figuratively in this sense. He built a house. It was going to take 18 months. 12 months in, I say, hey, big dog, whatever happened to that house you built? You moved in yet? Has it been expedited? Yeah. He's like, nah, man, we sold it. You sold it? Yeah. Why? It was taking too long. To which I thought... But you knew what you were getting into when you started the home building process. Yeah. KD, baby, you knew what you were getting into yeah. when you started the Brooklyn building process. Sure. If you build it, you buy it. If you build it, you should be all in. Yeah. You built the Brooklyn Nets. You and Kyrie in 2019 All-Star Weekend were talking about the reunion. It came to be. And now you want out. I agree with Shaq's criticism. What about you? Well, I'm guessing that uh, the builders were not selling off pieces of your friend's house in the midst <laughs> of building it, which is exactly what happened for KD with the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden, okay, we're going to bring him in. Oh, now we're going to send him out. Kyrie Irving, yeah, we're not going to, you know what, That we're going to rent. We're not going to buy, okay? So he's looking at this thing that he thought he was building, and suddenly the Nets are not committed to building it in the same way that he is. And so... He didn't demand a trade. Mm. He requested one. There. And he requested one. Is there a difference? There is. For the there viewer, is. is there a difference when one of the greatest basketball players of all time makes a request? Yeah. It's almost like slick. If you were to tell your child, hey, wash the dishes, will you? Yeah. That's a demand as much yeah. as it is a it, request. Well, yes, but it doesn't put a timeline on it. Fair. Demanding to be traded and the fact that he said it, well, first of all, he hasn't said it publicly. Mm -hmm. We've heard that he said it to the Nets. We've also heard that he's meeting or has met with owner Joe Sy. I assume that that is to discuss that request. So all that aside, he has not said a word since then. 
And to Shaq's criticism, it's you're looking to go someplace in specific. You want to go, you want to go play for a championship someplace else. You want to have the table set. And we have heard that Miami and Phoenix are on his list of places that he would go. They would fit that. But now we've heard that Boston is interested in the Warriors. I just feel like this is all being expanded and it's being put on Kevin Durant. He made a request at a time where it seemed like the Brooklyn Nets were no longer in party with him in terms of how he wanted to do things. So you know what? If that's the case, maybe I need to be someplace else. That's not demanding or that's not suggesting that he no longer believes in the Brooklyn Nets' ability to win and I want to go someplace else that I have a better chance. It's simply like, if we're not on the same page, then let me go ahead and do something with somebody else. Well, speaking of going somewhere else, Joy, I am incredibly eager to hear your take on this matter. What do you make of Shaq's criticism on Kevin Durant? I don't have any problem with Kevin Durant leaving Brooklyn. I love what Rick just said. This isn't the same situation that Kevin Durant came into Brooklyn expecting. The team has changed. We don't talk about him because he doesn't play a lot of basketball, but Ben Simmons is now on the roster. What does that bring and change for the dynamic of this team? They didn't commit to Kyrie. The team played out this year in a large part. The season played out in large part terribly because of Kyrie's decisions, which Katie may have publicly said he agreed with. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he agreed with them uh, having some some punitive reaction to it, and then they changed it. Who knows? There's a lot of dynamics that are going on with this Kevin Durant-Brooklyn situation that are not straightforward. Mm. And he didn't build this house. Brooklyn sold him on this house. He came there, brought in some pieces, and now they are remodeling without all of his consent. To your point, they've sold out the garage. They're renting it out. They're Airbnb-ing it. I didn't sign up for Airbnb uh, <laughs> in, in my backyard. What's going on here? I don't, I don't like the idea that everybody has to be loyal and has to stay committed to situations right. that they're unhappy with or that don't work for them at their particular point in their career. Everybody's not the same. Giannis stayed in Milwaukee. That's great. Steph stayed in Golden State. That's great. LeBron has moved around. That's great. There's multiple ways to win championships and be great in this league. Shaq played for six teams. Sure, mm. sure. But here's my issue with this notion that you don't have to build a house. A precedent has been set by the all-time greats in the NBA that houses should be built in order to be great. Yeah. Not Joy, not Slick, not Emmanuel, but a precedent by the all-time greats. Michael Jordan built his house in Chicago, and in order to build it, he had to get past the bad boy Pistons. The late now Bill Russell built his house in Boston. Magic Johnson built a house in Los Angeles. And who helped him build it? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who built his house. Tim Duncan, he built a compound. He built an estate over the course of three decades. Kobe Bryant built a house. Shaquille O'Neal, he built a house. Now, he too rented a little condo in South Beach. He rented a little condo. But he built a house in L.A. LeBron James, he built a house in Cleveland. Had to leave to a little condo in South Beach, too. He built a house. He didn't build a house. He was there. No, he did not. Hammer and no, joy. I heard no. the nails he myself. He worked on that house. He, wor he put a lot of he put a lot of blood, myself. sweat, and tears into that house. But that was not a house. That was not a house. There was no roof. It was a building. Bron Bron built it. Where, though, where, was, the, where so, was the ring? Where was the ring? When he came back to Cleveland, he got it. It was built. No, like no, no. now, thing is, he left a house in Cleveland with no roof on it. That first 
stint in Cleveland was not a house. That's why he left. That's why he went to the mansion that he rented in Miami, which true. we love you that for. No problem. Rentals are a big thing in, in, in South Florida. That's <laughs> fine. But that house was built before LeBron got there. It was built by Dwayne Wade. Oh, Miami's house. Of course. I told you. He rented a condo. I don't claim LeBron is building in Miami. I think LeBron went back and built in Cleveland. That is what I'm saying. LeBron, went back. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. He went back and went built back. And then sold it. Of course he did. But, but that, there's that, a president. That, that's, there's not, a president. that's not necessarily true. There are, there are different ways to do it. You can do it how Tim yeah. Duncan did it. You can do it how Michael Jordan did it. You can also do it how LeBron did it when he came to, when he went to Miami, when he came to L.A., you can do it how KD did it when he went oh, to no, the no, Warriors. No, 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 you can do it how Kawhi did it when he won a championship mm. in Toronto. You don't mm. have to have a compound. You don't have to have but a Joy, family. I, the, the top 10 players of all time did. That is the line of delineation. Is that, that is the mark of demarcation. Yes, because while LeBron did do what Shaq did and did do what KD did in going to Miami and in going to Miami and in KD and going to Golden State, LeBron also built a house in Cleveland. That is where I'm at. How many championships does he have in Miami? A house he, how, many, how many rings does he have in Miami? Two. All right. Can I Was that a rental? It's a rental. Go oh, ahead. Yes. Can I pull you guys out of this rabbit hole? I don't know where you guys went. I'm down there. This was about Shaquille. This is about Shaquille O'Neal criticizing Kevin Durant. (laughs) And you didn't go far back enough Uh on Shaq. Because here's my number one issue, aside from the fact that he is playing off of speculation in terms of what KD, until KD leaves and and where he goes, I am not going to accuse him of abandoning the Nets and going to a better situation. But when it comes to Shaq's criticism, oh, no, 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 no. Because Shaquille O'Neal, if I'm not mistaken, went to the finals with the Orlando Magic. He did. And then he left and he went to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Because why? Oh, because it's easier, it's easier to build a championship team multiple, and win multiple championships in L.A. than it would be sure. in Orlando. Sure. But <clears> did right? he build it? What's that? Did he build it in L.A.? Yeah. Well, he was part, he, he was part uh, of a build. Until he was part of the build. Part of a build. Right? And then he could have stayed and continued, but he didn't want Kobe to be the number one. Mm-hmm. So he said, get me up out of here. And Pat Riley saw his opportunity and said, I will go to Miami. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that Shaquille is the exact right person to be suggesting that Kevin Durant is doing something wrong if and when he looks for a better situation. Because I would say that Shaquille did the exact same thing, not once, but twice. It's so fascinating. It's so, so fascinating to me, this concept of how you want to get to the top of the mountain. There are clearly several different paths that you can traverse to get to the top. Kevin Durant is near the top, top 10 players all time. Some people have him in the top 10 all time. But this decision to want out of Brooklyn is not going to be shy of controversy. Coming up. Another player not shy of controversy, Deshaun Watson. But what we know is this much. A suspension came down earlier this week. Six games. We'll tell you if it would be a mistake for the NFL to appeal. That's next. Speak for yourself. So it was like a ring of house. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson handed a six-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy following accusations. Several 
accusations of sexual misconduct. The decision was made by a disciplinary officer, but the NFL has until tomorrow to appeal the ruling. Now, when we say appeal the ruling, that means add additional games, not take some away. Joy, would it be a mistake for the NFL to appeal the decision on Deshaun Watson? No, I don't think it would be a mistake. Now, I don't think that they should. I think they agreed on this process with the NFLPA and they put the arbiter in place. I don't agree with her ruling. I think it's extremely light, but this is what she has recommended. And at the risk of making this situation go on longer for the league, I could see them taking her recommendation and moving forward with it. I wouldn't be upset if they added more games. I wouldn't be upset if they uh, issued a fine because there was no fine issued to Deshaun Watson in this situation. But I think what we're really getting into with the discussion about the appeal and the, the, the suspension and the punishment is everyone's sort of treating this like a court. And I understand because she is a former judge, it's sort of skewing everyone's view on the situation. The NFL is not the court of law. This mm. is not a courtroom. This is not an arbitration hearing. This is a league. This is an employer. They have rights and leniency that the courts do not. They don't have to necessarily abide by everything that's going on because not only do they have an obligation to the other teams, around the league to set a precedent for these situations. They also have a responsibility to their fans and to sponsors. And half the fans, I know this is going to blow your minds, are women. Half, 50%. That's half of 100%. Not great at math, but 50 is half, and that's women. And they have an obligation to their fans as well. So the idea that this is court and what does the law say, and what is it, like Roger Goodell has a higher level sure. of responsibility in these situations. Just because she is a former judge does not mean that this is court. So the NFLPA could obviously fight it if they do add games and add more punishment to the situation. I just don't think for the for the sake of, of the entire situation, I think the NFL is going to leave it alone. I agree that the NFL will leave it alone. I think the NFL should leave it alone for this reason. If you appointed a former judge to act on behalf of everyone involved and seek justice, then once that former judge who you have appointed has found justice based upon her hundreds of hours of testimonies, documentation and interviews for you to now go and trump the decision of the person that you appointed. What was the point in appointing her in the first place? If you, Roger Goodell, wanted to act as a dictator and simply make a decision, you should have and could have just made a decision. And truth be told, the majority or at minimum public opinion would not have been mad at you just simply saying to Sean, we want to give you the entirety of a season. But after you appoint a judge, now, mind you, let's just put in context what it is to be a judge, to be a judge based upon the research that I did. You have to have an undergraduate degree. That is four years. You have to take the LSAT, get into law school. That is three years. Then you have to pass the bar exam because you have to be a lawyer in the majority of states after being being a lawyer, you have to be a lawyer for at minimum three years. After becoming a lawyer for a minimum of three years, you have to be appointed. The youngest federal judge in the United States is 37 years of age. So being a judge is no small feat. Mm -hmm. Then to be a former judge, you have to do all that and do all that for long enough to be former at that. So this judge has forgotten more than any of us know. Mm. So if you appoint a person and the person who you appointed brings down a decision for you now to disagree with the decision, you're undermining your appointing of her in the first place. I agree that the NFL will not appeal the decision. I don't think the NFL should appeal the decision. It's not to say that I agree with the decision, but for the NFL to contradict their own logic, that to me, Slick, makes no sense. No, it would be a mistake not to appeal it.
because of the fan base, at least half of which, if not a majority, feel that her ruling and her punishment was too light, that it wasn't enough. And so Roger Goodell has the out of saying, well, this is not this is no longer the same process that we had before. So uh, but he still has the opportunity to appeal to say if it was within my realm, then we would treat this a little more seriously. And that would satisfy, I believe, or at least address the part of your public that is looking at it going, the, the arbitrator got it wrong. And I have to go back to the last time this was within Roger Goodell's purview, which was with Calvin Ridley and gambling. And what he said in that statement, I'm going to read it. This is the responsibility of every player, coach, owner, game official, and anyone else employed in the league. Your actions put the integrity of the game at risk, threaten to damage public confidence in professional football, and potentially undermine the, ex- the reputations of your fellow players throughout the NFL. Now, how does that not echo in what Deshaun Watson did? And what is the penalty that Calvin Ridley is paying? He's, he's suspended indefinitely, but for at least the entire season. So if Roger Goodell feels that way, with Calvin Ridley, then he should feel that way with Deshaun Watson and, and demonstrate it as so, such. That's a phenomenal point. we got to get to commercial break, but we will do more on this when we return because there are so many incredible thoughts on this concept. Speak for yourself. We'll be back. Well, y'all were gone. We had breaking news. The league has, in fact, filed its appeal on Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Joy, coming to you first quickly, what do you make of it? Well, it builds off of what I was saying in the previous segment before we knew that this was happening, which is the title of judge is really confusing everyone in this. You mentioned a word that's very specific, justice. It's not her job to get justice. That was her job as a judge. It's her job in this situation to make a recommendation for her to look at the situation and I recommend this amount of games. Mm. It is the it's the job of Roger Goodell to run the league and set a standard for the league. He has a higher level of responsibility than than former judge Sue Robinson does in this situation. She's not supposed to get justice. She's supposed to look at the situation and make a recommendation based off of the CBA and what the NFL and NFLPA have agreed on. And clearly Roger Goodell has said, I don't I don't agree with this recommendation. Yeah. And I don't think that it's necessarily that it's going to change. But at least Roger Goodell is saying, I don't feel that this recommendation by the judge meets the criteria for my NFL. This is where I am so confused by the entirety of not only this case, but more so the opinions and the rulings of this case. If you appoint somebody to give me a recommendation and I do not take the recommendation, then why did I ask you for a recommendation in the first place? Roger Goodell, you have the authority to make a decision, to make a decision that will at least make fans happy, may make the Cleveland Browns unhappy, but why ask for someone's advice and then disregard it in its entirety? I can't figure that out. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you all tomorrow. Speak for yourself. (laughs) 